the services this morning. We've got uh, a lot of folks that are visiting with us. We appreciate your presence very much. We have a lot of people that are traveling. We have some that are sick. So uh, we have to move them into our campus. And I was away teaching at Charlotte and over the meeting up there. I was on the family. They sent me to the meeting and gave them back in September. So we're going to move into this travel. We've been studying in Proverbs chapter 6 and things that the Bible tells us about hates. And this morning we're going to talk about hands that shed innocent blood. I began to think about this topic. I was like, you know, I've got to stand up and talk for 30 minutes about thou shalt not kill. That seems to be pretty simple. But as I started researching and digging into the scriptures and thinking about what that means to us and what that command means to us and what this means to us. There's quite a bit that the Bible talks about when it talks about how we deal with our fellow man when it comes to this uh, concept of being so angry that we might kill somebody. And so we remember the uh, Remember the uh, verses in Proverbs chapter 6. It talks about six things the Lord hates. Day 7, abomination of evil. It talks about a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that, that shed innocent blood. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. So, first of all, let's break out that phrase, hands that shed innocent blood. He talks about hands. He's not literally talking about he hates hands, so as long as you kick somebody to death, it's okay. He's not talking about that. He's talking about hands in a metaphor sense. He's talking about hands as in the person's deeds. That's what he hates. He hates person's deeds that, that uh, shed in some blood. <clears throat> and when you think about, uh, when you think about uh, that, you look at Psalms chapter 26, it, it uses the hands in a simple metaphor. It says their hands are dirty with evil schemes, and they constantly take bribes. It doesn't mean that your hands can think up schemes. Obviously, your hands can't think of He's talking about a person's deeds. He's talking about people's deeds there. When he talks about innocent, the word innocent there just means that somebody that uh, hasn't been found guilty of any wrongdoing, not violating any law. That brings, to, that brings to at least my mind when we're talking about the law of the land. Or are we talking about God's spiritual law? talking about somebody that's sinless, or we're just talking about somebody that hadn't committed a crime that gets killed. I think the answer to that is yes. So when you think about the Bible scope of the subject, just to, the words shed blood 15 times in the Bible, 14 of those are in the Old Testament, murder 37 times, the word kill. 206 times. So the Bible has a lot to say about this subject. Because I was thinking about it, like, you know, how do you talk about this concept of murder, this concept of killing to a group of Christians, and that's probably the first thought in the mind. You know, we don't think about killing somebody. We just don't think about what to do it most of the time. Um, but when we, when, we, when we look at what the Bible has to say about it, and what leads up to that, there's some things that we can learn. So first of all, the, the, the murder was the first sin that we have recorded in the Bible outside the Bible. The very first sin the Bible talks about is the story of Cain and Abel. Remember that Cain and Abel offer sacrifices to God. Cain offers a sacrifice out of the ground, and Abel offers one sacrifice. 
God is God likes the blood sacrifice that Abel offers and he doesn't like Cain's. And he gets mad about that and he kills Abel. So we have this meeting that happens just outside of what we need to a family that had very close contact with God. But was that the first murder? That's my is that the first one? John chapter 8 says it wasn't. John chapter 8 says, talking, Jesus is talking about the devil here. It says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, but there is no truth in him. So we remember the story, step back into the Garden of Eden. We remember the story there of, of Adam and Eve. Remember the devil came to Eve and he said, can you eat the tree in the garden? And he said, no, you can eat all of it except the one that is the why can't you eat of that? Well, if we eat of that, we'll die. Oh, you are sure. You're just going to be smart as God is. When she saw that, when she believed the devil, she was appreciated that the mankind has died in her sins. The very first murder was committed by Satan when he talked to Eve in the garden. Death, is, death has come upon mankind ever since. Exodus chapter 20 and chapter 21 speaks a lot about this, this concept of murder, of death, of killing. And that's because it's where we find the law given to the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 13, it talks to us, and, and the Ten Commandments are given there, and it says, Thou shalt not kill. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Thou shalt not kill. But God knew that that was probably going to need some explanation, right? That there's going to be some times when, well, what happens if it's intentional? What happens if it's not? What happens if it's an accident? So he goes on in chapter 21 and he talks about if you strike a person down or you scheme to kill, we in our society would call that premeditated murder. We go to kill somebody and we plan it out. We go to scheming to kill. Or someone here that attacks the father of the but he goes on in chapter 21 to talk about if it's not intentional. In verse 13, he talks about the fact that if it's not intentional, he established these cities of refuge. You would go and you would plead your case to the leaders there, and if they believe that it was not intentional, then you have refuge in their city. As long as you stay in the city, you would have had. If you ventured outside, the family that you brought could see but as long as you did not intentionally do it, then you seek, seek, seek refuge in these cities that you want to pay. So we have a term in America that we use called justifiable homicide. That's kind of what that, that uh, city of refuge is all about. But there's some things that are justified in our society, and I believe they First of all, if the government is a war and you're serving the government, and of the military, you're called to go to war. If you're told you're directed to kill people, then it's in. I believe that's all right. The Bible talks about law enforcement, the use of deadly force and capital punishment in Romans chapter 13. Turn over there and look at the Let me put that on the screen. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 3 says, For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. So it says, if you do what's good, you'll have praise of these rulers. They're not, they're not about terror. 
For he is a minister of God to thee for good. Talking about the rulers. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that do the evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So the Bible tells us that the government is put in place, that the part of the government's duty is to execute wrath, the punishment of the wrongdoers. And so people that are called to do that in the line of the the Jews have treated for a long time. He was called by the government to execute the wrath of the government on So if he sped through his town, he got a ticket. He executed the wrath of the government. Self-defense or protection of the value of the property. There's a couple of stories in Genesis. So there's a story in Genesis and a story in Exodus. The story in Genesis is a story where these kings, these rival countries, were fighting against each other and all the winds, and they carried Lot and his family and all of his possessions into captivity. And one of the servants escapes and comes to Abraham and tells Abraham, your brother, your brother, I think it's his nephew actually, but they call him brother there, your brother in the family, has been carried into captivity. And so Abraham gets 300 of his men that have been trained, and he arms those men, and they go and surround them, and they take back Lot and his possessions and his wives and his possessions back out. Takes them back out from those kings. So the Bible tells us that it's okay to protect the property. Again, in Exodus chapter 22, there, there's a story of the thief that breaks through the steel at night, and the Bible says that that thief is killed in the in the uh, at night to try to steal your goods that it's not worth the blood in those situations. You're not responsible. So why is so there's so there's this concept that all murder is killing, but not all killing is murder. All murder is killing. So murder is taking someone's life and that's wrong, but not all killing is necessarily we talked about there with the government and the search situation for its own. So why is murder It's been ingrained in our minds, right? So for us, it's just, it's just a why? Why did God say it was wrong? Look at Genesis chapter 9. It says, Surely for your life and blood, all of the man they reckon with. From the hand of every beast, all of the father, from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, all of the life of man. Whosoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. So before there's a hint of the word that says there's a reason, it says that the reason that it's an attitude for two, that you shed man's blood, that what's going to be shed is that man was made in God's own image. We talked about this in the Bible study a couple of weeks ago. Because we're made in God's own image, there's certain things that we ought to do. We are God's children. There's a little piece of God in every one of us. And one of us kills the other one. God takes that very personal. So which one of you that has children wouldn't take it personally? 
It's real easy to understand when you put it in this garbage. Right? If someone attacked your family and killed one of your kids, your offspring that's in your own image, you take So when you think about the New Testament, things change a little bit in the New Testament. It says, For out of the heart proceeded evil thoughts, mothers, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Matthew chapter 15 starts talking about this concept that murder is something that comes out of the heart. It says, Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that the murderer has eternal life abiding in him in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3 and 15. So in the New Testament, God's not working on a heart. It's no longer a thou shalt not kill. That was a shadow of things to come in the first. I just don't kill. And the New Testament is not just coming to the floor. Because it's it's sort of something all about our heart. If we're hating one another, then we want to kill them. And so that's that's that means that there's something wrong inside. So this thought of bitterness, which is an unresolved hurt, whether that's real or imagined, so if somebody's hurt me, whether that's real or imagined, you must have been bitter about that. The next thing that comes along is I get angry, which is indignation that has slowly built up. So as I think about that bitterness, that hurt, that wrong that's been done to me, I start getting angry. I start getting, I start building it up. And anger to me, you know, the picture of a volcano, it sits there and rumbles and rumbles just starts building up inside. And then that leads to wrath, which is a sudden outburst of passion and anger, which leads to clapping, which is loud quarreling and arguing, which leads to evil speaking. How many have been in the argument, right? You get you're just frustrated in the argument, and you say that thing that you know you shouldn't say. It happens in America all the time in the form of horrible divorce, in the form of I hate you, in the form of I'll kill you. Colossians chapter 3 says, but, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, filthy language out of your heart. Ephesians chapter 4 says, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down with wrath or get close to the devil. Ephesians chapter 4 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So there's some key things there for us. Number one, if you get mad, take care of it that day. Don't let the sun go down on your Don't stew on it overnight because all that happens is you just, it just builds. Have the courage, the integrity, the Christianity to go to your brother and your sister and say, listen, that bitterness is an unresolved Perceive you have hurt me. Let's get this work out. Let's not let it start down this road that ultimately gets to my house. The very first thing, the most important thing is don't let the sun go down on that road. Don't let it get unresolved. Resolve it. Talk to the brother. Talk to the 
So that's kind of the uh, first part of the question. I ask you the question, so does innocence mean guilty or innocent against the law? And I said yes. But it also means innocence in that you've done no sin. And what could be good in America that could have some innocence that have done no sin? So we're going to talk to you a little bit about this concept. This is a subject that um, is very emotional, obviously. So this is a study that was done back in 2005. 25% of the that happened in happened because the mother said she was not ready for responsibility. Because somebody wasn't ready for responsibility. Another victim, they couldn't afford Eight percent because she's either in a relationship that has problems or she's a single mother. Seven percent not much better. Four percent it just appears we've got plans. I've got plans to I've got plans to go to school and be in practice not to do that for me right now. Next year apartment and not Other reasons don't sit Let these others down at the bottom because in America there's a lot of people that believe these are okay reasons. Mother's health and 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 mother's So when we think about the, uh, we think about that, it's just something that reminds to the core for me. The Bible talks about this a little bit. In Psalm chapter 27, we talked a year ago about the family. The old children are inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the Lord is of the Lord. The fruit of the Lord, babies are God's reward. They just give them to us for a little while today. So this is uh, David talking, and he's talking about God. He said, God, you put me together. You formed all my inward parts, and the word covered there means to interweave. You put them all together, you hold them together to form all mothers So David says he came into existence in his mother's womb. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you and prophets of the nations. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. Jeremiah says that before he was even born, God knew him. And I think in that situation, it means that God had a plan for him. He had a plan for Jeremiah before he was ever put into his mother's womb. But who's to say he doesn't have a plan for every baby before it's put into his mother's womb and reach him because of God? The Bible says if a man can fight and put a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him. And he shall pay as the judge is determined. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth 
So that says if you get a Friday that played on the guitar, that baby dominates, the man will have to do that. He didn't say it doesn't matter if it's the first trimester, it's okay. Or if it's the second or third, he didn't do that. And then God believes and tells us that the baby in the mother's womb is important to him, important enough that if somebody hurts it, since all the statistics over 3,000 babies died in the U.S. every day. Chapter 10 tells us a story of, uh, of the mothers who the shed. So Hebrews chapter 10 starts out talking about the old law, talks about the shadows, talks about the sacrifices, and it talks about the fact that bulls and goats, those sacrifices of those bulls and goats, couldn't bring the forgiveness or the remission of sins. It says that they had to be removed every year. And it talks about it talks about the finding that was a sacrifice that could uh, take care of that. Picking it up in uh, chapter 10 and verse number 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which we, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That every priest and the daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he hath offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that never sacrificed. For of the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and the minds for my life them, and the sins and the victories of the Holy Ghost. I will wish that there is that there is a lawful for sin. So in Hebrews, there in chapter 10, as we read, it was the shedding of basically the hands that shed of this blood to our Savior. So even though we would say today, I'm not a murderer, I wouldn't commit murder, I wouldn't kill innocent blood, your sins and my sins He died on the cross once and for all for sins past, 
present, and future of what this future says. We'll gather around the table in a few minutes and we'll talk about the blood and we'll talk about the body that was shed and we'll talk about maybe the reason that had to be done. But the reason that had to be done was those more sinners. In order for us to get to heaven, there had to be blood sacrifice. And in this case, it was the innocent blood sacrifice of the Lord and the Jesus Christ. So I hope the study of the has been there's a lot more to talk about, and we can do that with some applications this afternoon as we talk about this innocent blood of the shed. But Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He not, he not only didn't break any laws, man's laws, but he didn't break any laws, God's laws. He died a perfect man and he upheld all of the laws of the Old Testament. He died that innocent man of the cross for us. So this morning, he died. Sitting the life and the 